Frank Gore Jr., Southern Miss Golden Eagles, and you listen to Fun Belt Podcast, Southern Miss to the Top. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds a lot of fun. He did amazing. I, um, that was my first time actually seeing him in action, and he he's, he's real. I like him. Fun Belt Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Arkansas State true freshman quarterback Jalen Raynord with his words for fellow true freshman Blake Murphy of ULM. Blake Murphy got the statistical win going for 300 yards, two touchdowns. But Jalen Raynord got the win once again as Arkansas State ran the series up to 14 straight over ULM. Dusty Thibodeau of Warhawk Report. Shane Metlin of Daily News Record. Jeremy still drunk, I think, celebrating that win once again. Shane, welcome in, though. You're not drunk and, and celebrating, even though James Madison did get a big win under your watch. Yeah. I. <clears throat> we'll, we'll say I'm not drunk. We'll, we'll pretend like I'm not drunk. No. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, are those the, the two – are those the uh, – is that the future of the Sun Belt we just listened to talking about, you know, the two freshman quarterbacks? You know, there was a lot of talk about that uh, after the game of how much longer are these guys going to be around. And, and I, I talked with a couple guys from Arkansas State. They seem to think that he'll be there maybe next year, but then the year after that it, it, it'll be poaching season and he, he'll be uh, moving on to greener pastures. Blake Murphy, you got to think that as long as Otis Mounds and offensive coordinator Matt Kubik are still on the bayou, that he is there as well and, and not – uh, longing to return to South Florida, where he uh, hails from, that he will be uh, on the bayou a little bit longer. At least we hope. Yeah, I mean, that's always, you know, the possibility. It's always in the back of everybody's mind. Um, but there are guys who stay. I mean, let's not just, like, rule out anybody who plays well as a youngster that they're definitely heading out. I mean, we're on, what, year five of Grayson McCall, right? When <laughs> we were talking he about... Tried. Yeah, he tried. He tried to leave. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes things, sometimes things go that way. I mean, but we're t- there was articles about you know, is he going to go pro? It seems like four years ago, and like he's still there. So who knows? And and I guess the same could be said also for Frank Gore Jr. there at Southern Miss. You know, obviously with his dad, um, he has the pedigree, he has the the inside knowledge of, of what it takes to get to the next level. I think everyone's thought that this was the year that he was going to go pro, meaning his sophomore year, his junior year, and now obviously after his senior year. I'm glad these guys kind of stick around. And, you know, I think a lot of times these guys maybe see the writing on the wall that, especially with NIL, this money they're making at their school is probably more than they're going to make when they're signed to a practice squad or even that rookie contract going into the professional leagues. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's – you can never, I mean, this is like the sentimental old guy talk, but like you can never go back to college as much as we all want to. I mean, you make that decision and then it's done. And if things don't work out for you, it's uh, that, it, like I said, it's done. And, you know, it's not a huge risk now in the NIL days, if you're a star player to stay where you're at, you know, you're going to get something out of it. 
yeah, you just got to hope you're you're taking full advantage of it. You know, we we talked previously with the uh, ultra program there at Louisiana Lafayette, great program that really teaches these kids how to invest the money, how to make the most of the time that they have doing NIL. So you got to hope that all more schools in the Sun Belt are kind of picking up on that and and kind of modeling that same type of program. Yeah, I mean, that's what you hope if you want to see good players in this conference. I mean, that's what it's going to take. Um, I think everybody's getting on board with NIL at this point, uh, but it's sort of trial and error. And, you know, there's some guys that are just, you know, either need the money or want the money and are going to jump if that big offer is there. But, I mean, there are other guys who just like where they are, like their teammates, you know, maybe take a little bit less to stay, stay in a program where they feel comfortable. We look back on the week, a program that I think we were all pretty comfortable with picking to win the Sunbelt Conference West, the Troy Trojans. They went down to Texas State, able to get the 31-13 uh, win. I think it was four turnovers there for TJ Finley himself. <clears throat> it was not a good night to be a Bobcat, that's for sure. On their homecoming night, Gunnar Watson throws for nearly 400 yards and three touchdowns. Is there anybody in the West that can really stop Troy? I'm not sure at this point. I mean, we thought that South Alabama matched up with them in the preseason, and then we just don't know what's going to happen with South Alabama. Now we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Carter Bradley in South Alabama this week. It, I wouldn't pick against Troy the rest of the way, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you have the Thursday night matchup this week for the belt, uh, South Alabama, Troy, without Carter Bradley being in there. You've got to think that really changes the whole dynamic of that game, not really knowing what there is behind Carter Bradley. But then Troy, if they can get past South Alabama, they go to ULM. That should be a, a win for the Trojans there. Host the Raging Cajuns and then on the road again to close out the season at Southern Miss. I think really, you know, ULM is always a tough place to play. You never know what's going to happen with the Cajuns. But for the most part, it looks like uh, Troy's going to do what it takes and just enough to win the West. Yeah, I really think they will. I, you, That Louisiana game, I think, is, is dangerous. But Troy does not lose at home very often. And, you know, if that was in Lafayette, I might be looking at it a little bit differently, but you know, I, I really think it'll be an upset if Troy doesn't win out here. With that said, the Cajuns did pick up a big road win this past weekend going to <clears throat> Mobile, winning over South Alabama 33-30. to As we said, Carter Bradley left the game injured, did have 381 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. LaDamian Webb, 96 yards and a touchdown, but it was once again the offense behind Zeon Chris and Jacob Cabote of the Cajuns. Chris, 145, two touchdowns. Cabote, 119 and one touchdown. This this Cajuns offense, I feel like, is sneaky, sneaky good that they're, they don't look like they're really doing what it takes, but they're doing enough to win the games. Yeah, and you know we're talking about South Alabama losing Carter Bradley, but he was in there long enough, like you said, to almost throw for 400 yards and Louisiana jumped on him early. I mean, this wasn't a Carter Bradley gets hurt. So Louisiana wins like the Cajuns where they jumped on him early. They were up 20 to seven. Like they just legitimately won that game. And, you know, I think, yeah, if there's a team that can 
can take down Troy in the West. I think it's the Cajuns right now. Is it too much of a jump to conclusions to see that South Alabama had five turnovers leading to 13 points, that that was the difference? Was the fumbles that South Alabama had, the two picks there that Carter Bradley had, is it safe to say that literally the Jags turned the game over to them? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's fair. I mean, turnovers, that'll do it, right? I mean, you turn the ball over that much that often, it's going to be really hard to win. And, you know, not to say that Louisiana doesn't have something to do with those plays happening, but that's what's made it so hard to pick an Al a South Alabama game this year is when they're not making mistakes – they are, you know, they're capable of putting 55 points up on people. And when they are, it, it, it's trouble. Don't bring up the pass, Shane. Don't bring it up. A game that I, I think it went pretty much exactly how we thought it was going to. Coastal Carolina, Marshall. Coastal Carolina rolls 34 to 6. Coastal, Jared Guest came in, filled the shoes of Grayson McCall, who was out uh, injured. <clears throat> But really, I think that overall, Coastal Carolina was the less beat-up team, and it really showed. Cam Fancher, only 125 yards, 22 passing attempts. We got to see the future, though, with Cole Pennington coming in and, and throwing 12 of 23 for 77 yards. Rashida Lee tried to make a comeback, only 52 yards on the ground. There just wasn't a whole lot going on for the herd. And at the same time, it seemed like everybody was rallying behind Guest, and the shots just kept on rolling. Yeah, I mean, Guest obviously filled in magnificently for Grayson McCall, and we we talked about it last week. Marshall is just beat up at this point in the season. You know, it it's a team that you you see them play, and they just look like they're limping around and not. I mean. Everybody's missing guys at this point in the season, but for Marshall, it's just a different kind of look of a team that their their people are out there, but they just don't look like they're capable of playing at 100% right now. And it's tough. It's tough for Marshall these days. Your crazy stat out of that game, Marshall collectively, 283 yards. Jared Guest, 289 passing yards. He himself beat the herd. Yeah, and we, we've talked – obviously, Grayson McCall was rounding out and <clears throat> coming along in this new system before he got hurt. But we talked about, you know, if the system was made for Grayson McCall, maybe the system is uh, made for Jared Guest. He comes in there and, like, does a really nice job right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that it's more of what the Trickett is doing on the offensive side than – anything else and maybe that Tim Beck uh, kind of knows what he's doing there and and it's not just the Grayson McCall show. Yeah, I mean and if you look at, you know, Coastal's quarterback situation, J Guest does well. They've got a power 5 transfer behind him and uh Ethan Vasco who at one point was committed to ODU. So I mean, I think I think uh the future and and the present at quarterback uh, for for Coastal looks a lot better than it did just a few weeks ago. Great game to three quarters, and then there was the fourth. Arkansas State rallied off 17 points in the fourth quarter, 24 points unanswered until Warhawks got a late touchdown and two-point conversion to get the 34-24 victory over ULM. 
look, Blake Murphy looked fantastic behind center for the Warhawks. Bugs Mortimer showcased what he could do at the receiver position. He's a young guy, only a sophomore, so that could be a very good tandem for a long time coming. But the Warhawks just did not really have a whole lot else going on other than that, unable to really make the adjustments in the second half to contain Corey Rucker and Jalen Rayner as the Red Wolves just really kind of rolled in that game. Yeah, it's it seems like it's turning into a season you just want to forget for your your Warhawks at this point where they were they were so close so often early in the season and it's just kind of getting away from them at this point. I mean the the silver lining might be finding a freshman quarterback that you can hopefully build around if you can keep him around for a while. Yeah, that that's what you really got to hope for and you got to hope this team just doesn't just lay down and, and roll over that they keep fighting. They do have Southern Miss this week. They're having their struggles of their own, so you got to hope that going on the road, getting away from the noise, maybe at home, that you're able to kind of get right with a good road win and a conference win. But if not, it's going to be a long season knowing that you have Southern Miss, you have Troy, you have Old Miss, and then the Cajuns to close out the season. Yeah, it's it's a it's a must win for for the Warhawks this coming week. I mean, don't you think? Like you said, you're staring at Troy and Ole Miss the two weeks after that. If you don't get this one, it could, it could get ugly pretty fast. Shane, I'm going to throw a good conspiracy theory out to you. Okay. What if the Warhawks can rattle off three of the four final games for a win, get to five and seven, and they are the team picked for a bowl over JMU? Who goes 12 and 0? <laughs> uh, we were discussing that scenario on Saturday, but uh, substituting ODU for <laughs> for ULM. But I mean, it could be a variety of uh, Sunbelt teams, right? That, you know, maybe get that last bowl spot that keeps uh, JMU out of it. For sure. I'd, I'd love to see it be uh, Southern Miss run the table and Will Hall <laughs> just gets to give everybody the, the Golden Eagle and and show the mustard buzzards that he still got it and that, uh, you know, Southern Miss to the top as they uh, roll on to a bowl game. I think they're one and seven, though. I think they're uh, they're out of it. Five and seven, baby. Yeah. Five and seven. It's it's the new six and six. Okay. In the, in the modern day hate, we had Georgia Southern, Georgia State. Georgia Southern rolled 44-23. I don't even think it was really that close of a game. I really feel like the Eagles just kind of dominated this game from end to end. Davis Brin did Davis Brin things, only not with the interceptions, throwing 334 yards, three touchdowns, one pick for good measure. And Darren Granger, he didn't do Darren Granger things, only 157 yards passing, two touchdowns, two picks. It was an ugly game for the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, Granger did do the Granger things to some degree, having 80 yards on the ground, but – the two picks were very costly. I mean, especially a time where it looked like Georgia State might be able to kind of get back into it. And when one of those picks comes and it, it that one ended up kind of, you know, just completely turning the tide of the game. Yeah, and then Marcus Carroll did get 208 and two touchdowns on the ground. I forget who if it was you or Jeremy that talked about him possibly being the the surprise running back of the season. I wasn't big on that sentiment, but, you know, he's kind of growing on me. I, I really think that he might be kind of that sleeper back in the league. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we were both pretty high on him after the season over, but Jeremy was the one who, uh, who, who, who said that. And you know, you're looking at a guy who's right up there with the. Uh, is he leading the nation, or is he just up? He's among the leaders in the nation and uh, rushing at this point. He's second. Yeah, he's about 27 yards behind Ollie Gordon of Oklahoma State, roughly 70 yards ahead of Kamani Vidal. Yeah, so I think he was the nation's leader for a few days, but then the Saturday games rolled around. I wish I was the leading rusher for a couple days. Yeah, I'd take it. I'd take it. Yeah. Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, Southern Miss dominated the game against App State until the very end where the Mountaineers were able to come from behind for a 10-point victory saving Sean Clark and everything else going on in Boone, North Carolina. Joey Aguilar, 391, four touchdowns, one pick. They had 20 points in the fourth quarter for the come-from-behind victory. Shane, did you see any of that game? I didn't see any of it, but following scores and discussions of that one, it was – I mean – the the calls for Sean Clark's head in the first half of that game were loud and, <laughs> and and frequent coming out of Boone. Things changed a little bit in the second half. They figured out the would win. We we finally saw the Frank Gore game. We thought thought we were going to see several times this year with him putting up two hundred and forty seven yards on the ground. Like we finally saw the Frank Gore. We finally saw the Southern Miss offense. We kind of expected but they just couldn't get it done once again. Mountaineers sit at four and four, two and two in the Sun Belt. a remaining schedule of Marshall this coming week, trips to Georgia State and James Madison, and then hosting Georgia Southern. It's possibly doable that they could hit the six-win mark, maybe even touch the seven-win mark there. Do you think that that's a, a reasonable feat for the Mountaineers, or do you feel that, They've been flashes in the pan, and and they're going to struggle to even get uh, win number five. <clears throat> I think six wins, maybe even seven, is doable. I mean, you look the the East is just so jumbled right now. Like JMU separated themselves a little bit, obviously, but it seems like anybody else can beat anybody on a given in a given week. You know, Marshall's going to go into that game against App State in the same boat that App State was in going in against Southern Miss. And, you know, which one of those teams kind of gets the much-needed victory next week? Because they're both, at least at least if you're App State, you gained a little bit of momentum going into that one. That had been kind of the ugly bowl next week if uh, if App State hadn't been able to pull something out and beat, beat a – very much struggling Southern Miss team. Without a doubt. Closing out the weekend, the game you were at, the darlings of college football, the top 25, James Madison Dukes taking on Old Dominion. I told you it was going to be a close game there, Shane, and it was with the Dukes squeaking out a 30-27 lead What'd you see from that home contest there for the Dukes? Yeah, I mean, 
it wasn't JMU's best performance, but I think that's what ODU does to teams is, you know, they take you out of your comfort zone. They spread you out. They make your defense do things you're not used to doing. And they've got, you know, some playmakers on defense who, <clears throat> you know, they, they almost had a pick six to start the game. They only got three points out of that. That ended up being huge that they only got three points out of that play. And, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's ODU. They, they make you uncomfortable and they make some big plays and they stay in games that maybe they sh really shouldn't stay in games. If you just look at, you know, the tail of the tape with those teams, JMU, I'm not saying the 20 point spread was legit, like, you know, but JMU, I think probably should have been able to win that one by a couple scores. If you just look at the Jimmy's on the Joe's on each side. I stand by my statement that Old Dominion. I I I love the the Monarchs, but they are clunky, they they're weird, but it works, <clears throat> and, and I think that shows even in that loss. I know that we don't want to have the FCS mentality, as as Jeremy would say, and pour one out for the close loss, but I feel like that they really showcase some skill and some talent there. This Old Dominion team is not dead. I see them still plugging along and and getting a, at least two more wins on the season before we call it quits. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're an ODU fan, I'd be looking at the future too. You know, they bring in a new offensive coordinator with a completely new system. They're spreading the field like this, but they're doing it with, you know, let's be honest. They're doing it with an FCS backup quarterback. The guy who scored a 58 yard touchdown for them was, you know, a track star, who didn't get a scholarship offer from anybody else for football last spring in the portal, you know, what is ODU going to do when they start bringing in like legit Sunbelt recruits at the skill positions to run this offense? I think it's a little bit scary for the rest of the rest of the East to think about that. Peeking ahead, they do have coastal Carolina this week. That was a team that, that went into Myrtle beach and got the win last year. Can they do it again at home this year? without looking ahead to the Liberty game in two weeks from now. I think that Old Dominion is going to have their hands full, but I think that they could possibly pull out the win this week over the Shants. But that'll put them one game closer to being bowl eligible. What do you think there as we come down the stretch? Who's going to legitimately, Shane, we know who's going to win the East. Who's legitimately going to win the East? I have no idea at this point. I mean, Georgia Southern obviously has a leg up on people, but you look at, at Georgia State, App State, Coastal, the advantage they have right now is they still get to play JMU. And I've, I, I posted this the other day. If only one team in the East beats JMU, it counts for two wins, essentially, because all of your competitors took a loss against a team – that's not really in the standings and you know, you get a victory against that team. It basically bumps you up two games in the standings. Um, so there's a golden opportunity for one of those teams to really make a jump in a really packed race. Yeah. The only team in the East that I really see is dead that I just don't see being able to pull it off as Marshall sitting at one and three right now in conference action. I mean, maybe if they ran the tables and happened to beat and play everyone else, but I don't think that that is the case. 
So I, I, I don't see where they're going to be able to win the East. Everyone else, I think App State's kind of the dark horse. Old Dominion, Coastal, Georgia State, all sitting at three and two. Georgia Southern, three and one. And then, of course, James Madison, the top, ineligible this upcoming year. But as you said, everyone's still got to play Georgia, uh, James Madison. I'll get it right eventually. So when we look at the West, is it as clear cut as we think it is that it's Troy's to lose sitting at three and one with it seemingly everyone else at two and two and then ULM Southern Miss 0 and five. They're pretty much uh, out of the running. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, the fact that they get Louisiana at home, I think just makes it theirs to lose. If they had to go to Lafayette, I might look at it as, you know, more of a toss up. But, you know, I just I would be surprised if they lose another game at this point. But, you know, the, the one to keep an eye on, I think, is definitely Lafayette going to you. You got me saying Lafayette instead of Louisiana. <laughs> but that game there, you know, in Troy, I think that's that's the deciding game for the Sunbelt West. Always love these kind of unofficial semifinalist games there and, and good for coach Zormo able to take that program and really kind of make it his own and, and showcase that he was the right guy, the right hire and able to get the Cajuns back atop the Sunbelt West. Good for him. Yeah. Any, any team kind of stand out to you or any players stand out to you over this past weekend? Um, You know, I think, you know, I just called him an FCS backup, but, Grant Wilson for ODU, seeing him in person impressed me more at quarterback. I think he impressed uh, Kurt Signetti more at quarterback than um, maybe anybody was expecting. Uh, kind of expected a game manager, and he, you know, he, he whipped it around a little bit. Um, you know, on the other side of that, just talking about the game I saw, Jalen Green just continues to be absolutely dominant on the defensive line. Uh, incredible what he's doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, beyond that, I mean, we talk about the young quarterbacks too. We talked about Arkansas State, we talked about ULM. We briefly mentioned Joey Aguilar, but you know, give it up for all of those guys like getting the job done at quarterback, getting kind of getting thrown to the fire as in their first years. Yeah, I, I think my my uh salute this week is gonna be to Jared Guest. Senior quarterback there at Coastal Carolina steps in for Grayson McCall. You know he had to hear it all week long of Grayson McCall's backup, McCall's backup. <clears throat> it's McCall's team. Didn't matter. He stepped in. 289, three touchdowns, one pick. Led him to really kind of the blowout win there to keep him in the mix of things in the Sunbelt Conference East. I think that was the guy that I really liked the most on the offensive side of the ball. I'd also mention uh, – Corey Rucker, the receiver there at Arkansas State, know that he has a true freshman receiver there of Jalen Reynard. You wouldn't know it. They have great connection and are able to really make uh, plays happen for the Red Wolves. Yeah, Guest is a great choice, I think. you know, Especially when you consider he got thrown into the situation last year and he didn't deliver. So it, it's showing a little fortitude to to come back this season and uh, perform that much better in, in the same same kind of scenario. Performing the, the same type of scenario again, though, Shane. Give us your plug promo parting shot. Uh, well, let's just plug dnronline.com slash sports. And, you know, you can read all about James Madison especially, but uh, Sunbelt football in general and soon to be Sunbelt basketball. And 
probably soccer tournaments and everything else. We'll have we'll have stuff online for a lot of a lot of sports. I'm going to take a parting shot, and I'll hear from the commissioner's office on it. And that's fine. Shane, do you think you could run up and down the football field like as an official? Probably not. <laughs> not this time. So with, so with that said, if you couldn't efficiently get up and down the field, would you still feel obligated that you had to put on the stripes and and, and call up a collegiate game? No. <clears throat> No, no, you wouldn't call the game or no, you wouldn't give up the stripes. I wouldn't feel obligated to continue to do that, especially now we see a lot of those guys who are getting up there in age. They can uh, move to the replay booth. Yeah, but, you know, I I saw an official at a recent college game. I I will say this. The guy couldn't even get up and down the field. And yet his calls helped take 21 points off the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. For one of the teams that I that I happen to see, what how the hell you be talking about? How the hell do you have the right to officiate a game if you can't even get up and down the field? My fat ass almost could, but I would know that that's my limitation. That I'm not going to be able to go up and down the field, so I'm not going to be an official. Know your limitation, Shane. That's the point of my story. Okay, I and understand that, what you're saying. I'm glad. I'm glad you could read between the lines. And hopefully we get Jeremy back soon so that we can uh, get him grounded from a 14-game winning streak. Yeah. Yeah, good luck with that.